Before we begin this week's show, I have some prayer requests and an announcement to make. The prayer request, uh, one was for Joanne that I had mentioned last week. Uh, she is new to the show and an avid listener, and um, we love her so very much, and she's been going through so much with her blood pressure being very high and nobody realizing or figuring out why. Her doctors can't figure out why. Well, anyway, uh, Joanne was hospitalized this week. Um, she is okay now. They did an angiogram, and from what I understand, they did not find anything, but they've released her, and she's home. However, we still have the same issue, is that uh, they don't know what's causing the blood pressure problems. Her blood pressure was up over 200 when she went to the hospital, so you can only imagine that's, that's very, that's deadly. So, please keep Joanne in your thoughts, in your hearts, and in your prayers. A uh, second prayer request is for uh, family, um, also friends, friends that are our family. Um, for Megan and Molly, um, Molly's father, Nelson, passed away this week. He was only 38 years old, um, and uh, Megan is Molly's mother, so of course she knew Nelson, and Nelson, since Nelson is Molly's father, um, so if we could please keep Megan, Molly, and their families and our thoughts, hearts, and prayers that um, the divine gives them the strength to get through this and to try to find, um, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to try to find a silver lining and everything and, and know that uh, Nelson's not suffering anymore. You know, he was suffering greatly before he passed away at such a young age. Um, so thank you all very much for your prayers. Um, and if you would like us to pray for you, there's information at the end of the show on exactly how to do that if you already don't know. And now on to the announcement. Happy Mother's Day to each and every one of you out there. Now, regardless if you have a, uh, a, a human child or a fur child, they're all babies and they're all children and we love them regardless. And thank you, each and every one of you mothers, for everything you are for everything you do, and for all the sacrifices you make for all of us. Um, you all are such amazing beings, and we couldn't do it without you. I guarantee and promise you that, nor would we want to. So infinite thanks, blessings, and love to all the mothers out there. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. I firmly believe that the divine works through people to help us every day. These angels and saints are so very humble. Many of us don't know they exist or existed. Hello, my name is Angel and I'll be your host as we explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. How are you all doing? I so hope you all are doing as well as possible and that you're blessed. Please know that each and every one of you are in my heart and in my prayers. If you're new to the show, a big welcome and thank you for finding us. And I hope you find what you are looking for and more here. And if you're returning, thank you. Infinite thanks. For returning to the show. 
This week, we're going to just scratch the surface on someone who is my favorite Roman Catholic Pope. And the reason I say scratch the surface is because this amazing being achieved so much in his lifetime, it would be impossible to list and describe and share everything he did or even a quarter of everything he did in just one show. So who is this favorite Roman Catholic Pope of mine? It is none other than Saint Pope John Paul II. Now, from what I have found, or I should say discovered or have heard, uh, feelings are very mixed on Saint Pope John Paul II. Either people love him or people hate him. I respect both views, and I know, um, you know, especially Roman Catholics, there are many different factions of Roman Catholics and different beliefs and different expectations. Um, but again, St. Pope John Paul II is one of my favorites, and I'm going to share just a little bit why. So first of all, he was my grandfather's uh, favorite pope, so that ranks high with me because my grandfather was an incredible mentor of mine. I do my level best to try to emanate what my grandfather was and is to me in my heart and mind still today. He was an incredible and remarkable being, uh, a, definitely a saint among saints. Uh, again, just so, so modest, but also so very selfless. And um, he was always there for my family and me and uh, could never thank him enough or express enough love for this amazing being. So I know I might be biased, right? This is why. <laughs> This is my favorite Pope. No, there are other reasons why, and we're going to explore those as we learn more about St. Pope John Paul II. So first, let's step into history class and learn a little bit more of who St. Pope John Paul II was before he was St. Pope John Paul II. So he's mostly remembered for his successful efforts to end communism as well as for building bridges with peoples of other faiths and issuing the Roman Catholic Church's first apology for its actions during World War II. So it's undisputed how um, intricate he was in helping to uh, successfully end communism. Uh, the Russians really did not uh, care for him, and there are rumors, or I should say conspiracy theories, and actually some evidence that the assassination attempt on St. Pope John Paul II was uh, a hit by the KGB. Again, of course, nothing as far as solid facts go, and it's never been proven, but, um, you know, the person that did it has all but said that it was a hit from the KGB. But that's neither here nor there. And we're going to explore a little bit about that as well as we go. So one of the key things that makes him a favorite of mine, other than being my grandfather's favorite, is that his interfaith relationship, uh, which we're going to explore a little bit here as we go. But uh, St. Pope John Paul II was unprecedented among all Roman Catholic popes then and now, um, as far as how he was with other faiths. Now, this caused him a lot of 
grumbling, a lot of hating, a lot of ridicule from very uh, stern, strict uh, Roman Catholics who believe that their faith is the only faith and that all other faiths are going to hell. And I know the Roman Catholics are not the only ones that believe this. So I'm not singling them out or or, you know, you know, putting the light on them and saying they're it. No, no, there are many other faiths that are guilty of that. And that's one of the things I loved about him the most is that he didn't care what faith you were. He believed we are all children of God. We are all children of the divine. We are all children of the universe. Whatever you want to label that which cannot be labeled. We are all children of that higher source, that higher energy. And I could not agree with that more. His thing was, let's find the commonalities between the faiths. Instead of focusing on the differences, let's focus on the commonalities. What do we have in common? What do we agree upon? Let's focus on that. Let's come together. If anything, focus on love, love for people, love for helping those who are suffering. That was so key for him as far as the interfaith, the world interfaith prayer days that he hosted. Uh, again, he was the very first to do this. The second one, which they didn't mention here, uh, which I'm going to mention a little bit more as we go, is St. Pope John Paul II's focus on the youth, uh, young people, children, teenagers, young adults. He fought and felt from the very core of his being that it's extremely important that we tend to take care of, nurture, and love the upcoming generations because they will soon enough be in control of the world. And we sadly see today that our youth have been left behind. And it's got to be probably some of the most difficult and scary times to be a child or a teen or a young adult right now. Uh, because of all the media, all of the information that's flooded to them literally each and every moment of each and every day. And they have this um, conditioning that they live on social media. They live on their phones. They live on the Internet. They're constantly, um, you know, just with their face in their phone and they're reading, reading, reading or texting or looking at this or that instead of looking out around them. And it's really become, um, it's a very tragic time because a lot of these young adults, children, teens do not have faith. They don't believe in faith. They're part of that, what they call the nun uh, group. And that's people that don't believe in any faith at all. Um, they believe that it's, you know, all of it is, you know, crap and propaganda and paganism, you know, if you want to use the word paganism, they believe every religion is pagan and it's ancient and it's mythology, you know, it's mythology and it, it doesn't have any worth to it. So that leaves them very open. It leaves them very um, raw and um, able to be harmed so easily by things that people say about them, their peers, um, people they know, you know, things that are said about them on the Internet. Um, and that's another reason why the suicide rate is so high is because I, at least I personally and firmly believe that these young adults and teens and children don't have the coping tools. They don't have the faith. They don't have anything that they can rely on or turn to 
Of course, the vast majority of them, sadly enough, are from broken homes. If they have homes, which you could consider a home at all, um, a lot of them end up raising themselves. And the, sadly, the Internet ends up raising them. And, you know, it's just not it's not good. And this isn't just something based in the U.S. We see this worldwide, sadly enough. And, you know, again, it was one of the things St. Pope John Paul II saw way back in the 70s and 80s. And he wanted to do everything he could, and he did, you know, to try to uh, prevent what's going on today. But sadly, after he passed, those efforts, you know, just kind of went to the wayside. You know, they still have uh, World Youth Day, uh, you know, that he started, but it's nothing like it was. It doesn't have the oomph behind it as it did when he would personally lead it. Okay, so... Who was St. Pope John Paul II? Here's a very quick summarization of who he was and we're going to, or I should say is, and we're going to explore these more deeply as we go. So St. Pope John Paul II was ordained in 1946, became the Bishop of Ambi in 1958, and became the Archbishop of Krakow in 1964. He was made a Cardinal by Pope Paul VI in 1967, and in 1978, became the first non-Italian pope in more than 400 years. He was a vocal advocate for human rights and used his influence to effect political change. He died in Italy in 2005. It was announced in July of 2013 that he would be declared a saint in April of the following year. So his early life, he was born Carol Joseph Wojtyla on May 18, 1920, in Wadowice, Poland. St. Pope John Paul II's early life was marked by great loss. His mother died when he was nine years old, and his older brother Edmund died when he was 12. Growing up, St. John Paul II was an athletic and enjoyed skiing and swimming. He went to Krakow's I don't know if I can pronounce this or not. Joglonian, J-A-G-I-E-L-L-O-N-I-A-N, University in 1938, where he showed an interest in theater and poetry. The school was closed the next year by Nazi troops during the German occupation of Poland. Wanting to become a priest, John Paul began studying at a secret seminary run by Archbishop, the Archbishop of Krakow. After World War II ended, he finished his religious studies at a Krakow seminary and was ordained in 1946. John Paul spent two years in Rome where he finished his doctorate in theology. He returned to his native Poland in 1948 and served in several parishes in and around Krakow. John Paul became the Bishop of Ambi in 1958 and then the Archbishop of Krakow six years later. Considered one of the Catholic Church's leading thinkers, he participated in the Second Vatican Council, sometimes called Vatican II. The Council began reviewing church doctrine in 1962, holding several sessions over the course of the next few years. As a member of the Council, John Paul helped the Church to examine its position in the world. Well regarded for his contributions to the church, John Paul was made a cardinal in 1967 by Pope Paul VI.
1978, John Paul made history by becoming the first non-Italian pope in more than 400 years. As the leader of the Roman Catholic Church, he traveled the world, visiting more than 100 countries to spread his message of faith and peace. But he was close to his home when he faced the greatest threat of his life. On May 13, 1981, the Polish pontiff was passing through thousands of faithful gathered in St. Peter's Square, blessing the crowds from his open Pope-mobile. Suddenly, four shots were fired at close range, and John Paul II collapsed into the arms of his aides as the Pope-mobile drove away at speed, chased by a team of security officers. The 60-year-old pontiff, who had been hit in the abdomen, left hand and right arm was rushed to Rome's Gemelli Hospital, where he underwent emergency surgery. Panic broke out in St. Peter's Square as the faithful cried and prayed that the Holy Father would survive the shooting. Two female bystanders were also injured in the attack. The assassination attempt was carried out by a 23-year-old Turkish citizen, Mehmet Ali Agka, who was swiftly subdued and arrested. The afternoon's dramatic events were reported live by the Vatican radio journalist Benedito Nardacci, who said, for the first time, there is talk of terrorism even in the Vatican. Italian police announced that Akka, who was on the run from Turkish authorities and Interpol, was a far-right terrorist who had been convicted of the 1979 murder of a prominent left-leaning Turkish journalist, Abdi Epeki. Police seized Akka's Browning handgun and said he had traveled to Italy using a false passport. Carol Wattila, elected pope in 1978, underwent critical surgery lasting more than four hours, which doctors described later that night as successful. No vital organs had been hit, and the pontiff would later credit his survival with the Madonna of Fatima as a vision of the Virgin Mary who first appeared to Portuguese children on the 13th of May, 1917. And the Pope later recounted this story many times by saying that he did see um, the Holy Mother uh, as this incident took place and that she, you know, you know, told him that he would be okay and there was nothing to worry about. And his assailant even said uh, later on that, uh, because he was a marksman shooter, said that he never missed at that close range, especially four times. And he was aiming at the Pope's heart all four shots, and all four shots missed their mark. On the Sunday morning after the shooting, the Pope addressed the faithful in a recorded message from his hospital bed asking people to pray for the man who pulled the trigger, whom he referred to as my brother, and offered his sincere forgiveness. Within a few weeks, John Paul II had recovered fully, and on December 27, 1983, he went to visit his attempted assassin in Rome's Rebibia Jail. In June 2000, after serving almost 20 years of a life sentence in prison in Italy, Acca was pardoned by then-Italian President Carlo Ziglia Chiampi 
at the request of St. Pope John Paul II before he was deported to Turkey. That's another thing about this Pope is, wow, what a model of forgiveness that the very person that tried to kill him, he forgave. He not only forgave publicly, like on the radio, but he actually went to the prison, met with this person face to face and pardoned him, absolved him, forgave him for what he did. And then pulling strings got the Italian president to, you know, pardon the assailant as well. And there are pictures of the Pope with uh, this uh, person with Agka, it's A-G-C-A, with Mr. Agka and forgiving him. And Agka actually converted to Roman Catholicism. And there are photos of him um, after the Pope had passed away, uh, placing flowers um, at the Vatican. So, you know, I don't know how that quite happened, but I guess he still had his... Uh, connections where he could sneak in but you know it's it says a lot about the pope um as a human that he would forgive unconditionally like that a vocal advocate for human rights john paul often spoke out about suffering in the world he held strong positions on many topics including the opposition to capital punishment a charismatic figure John Paul used his influence to bring about political change and is credited with the fall of communism in his native Poland. He was not without critics, however. Some have stated that he could be harsh with those who disagreed with him and that he would not compromise his hardline stance on certain issues, such as contraception. In his later years, John Paul's health appeared to be failing. At public appearances, he moved slowly and seemed unsteady on his feet. He also visibly trembled at times. One of his doctors also disclosed that John Paul had Parkinson's disease, a brain disorder often characterized by shaking. This was in 2001, but there was never any official announcement about his illness from the Vatican. Pope John Paul II died on April 2, 2005 at the age of 84 at his Vatican City residence more than three million people waited in line to say goodbye to their beloved religious leader at St. Peter's Basilica before his funeral on April 8th. On July 5th, 2013, waiving the usual five-year waiting period, the Vatican announced that the Roman Catholic Church would declare Pope John Paul II a saint and that the canonization ceremony would likely take place within the next 16 months. The Vatican also stated that Pope John Paul XXIII, who headed the Roman Catholic Church from 1958 until his death in 1963 and convened the Vatican II Council, would also be declared a saint. On September 30, 2013, Pope Francis announced that the canonizations of Pope John Paul II and Pope John XXIII would occur on April 27, 2014. The announcement of Pope John Paul II's canonization came after the Vatican revealed the two miracles were attributed to the late Pope. After a dying French nun, Sister Marie Simone Pierre Normand, 
prayed to Pope John Paul II for during her battle with Parkinson's disease, the same illness that killed the Pope, she was cured. The second miracle involved a 50-year-old woman who claimed that she was cured of brain aneurysm after a photograph of Pope John Paul II spoke to her. The official sainthood ceremony held on April 27, 2014, brought together four popes. Pope Francis led the event to elevate Pope John Paul II and Pope John XXIII to sainthood, which was also attended by Francis's predecessor, Emeritus Pope Benedict. So two things I want to expand on of the amazing life of Saint Pope John Paul II. Of course, he was not perfect. Um, you know, the thing about contraception is a, is a hot button issue and either people agree or completely disagree with it. Um, I mean, that's completely up to you. Um, so the two things that were I'm definitely attracted to him for is World Youth Day. This is an event for young people organized by the Roman Catholic Church that was initiated by Pope John Paul II in 1985. It's sometimes nicknamed in later years as the Catholic Woodstock. Again, this is something that still takes place, but it does not have the strength and oomph to it that it did when Pope John Paul II uh, was actually leading it and running it. The second is World Day Prayer of Peace. And it's Pope John Paul organized the first World Day of Prayer for Peace in Assisi, Italy on October 27, 1986. In all, there were 160 religious leaders who spent the day together with fasting and praying to their God or gods. They represented 32 Christian religions, organ, excuse me, religious organizations, and 11 other non-Christian world religious organizations. They are as follows. The Christian religious organizations were, of course, the Roman Catholic Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, Russian Orthodox Church, World Council of Churches, World YWCA, World Alliance of YMCA's Friend World Committee for Consultation, which is also known as the Quakers, the Mennonite World Conference, Reformed Ecumenical Synod, Baptist World Alliance, Christian Church, which are the Disciples of Christ, World Alliance of Reformed Churches, Lutheran World Federation, Anglican Communion, Old Catholic Church of Utrecht, Assyrian Church of the East. Now, the non-Christian religions were Hinduism, Sikhism, Buddhism, Jainism, Judaism, Islam, African and North American animism, Shintoism, Zoroastrianism, and Baha'u. So to me, those are two major things that I have a great appreciation for and they still do the world prayer day for peace thing. But it's again, it doesn't have the oomph and the power behind it that it did when, you know, St. Pope John Paul II was behind. At least that's my personal opinion. And I mean, we can see by today's strife between religions, it's still, you know, we're still so far away from having world peace among religions, which you would think that should be an easy thing because they all have the, you know, the core belief of the end of suffering and to love everyone unconditionally. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's crazy that this isn't happening. And, and, you know, I could go on and on and on 
show after show after show on this, but uh, you know, I'll leave it up to all of you. Okay, so no Pope St. Pope John Paul II story uh, could go without two notorious things as far as his interreligious um, efforts were. And the first is what actually affected Pope Francis more than it affected him. Uh, Pope Francis, back in October of 2019, you've heard me talk about this if you guys are longtime listeners to the show, heard me talk about how Pope Francis was blessing the Pachamama and when he was jumped about it by Roman Catholics, he replied that St. Pope John Paul II said it was okay, so he was also okay with it, which made a huge thing, such a huge deal that Roman Catholics actually filed um, a suit against uh, St. Pope John Paul II, which nothing ever came of it. But anyway, this Panchamama thing came from a homily that uh, St. Pope John Paul gave on May 11th of 1988 when he was in Bolivia in the valley of Cochabamba. And it goes like this, he said in that homily, Blessed is he who in any work seeks God from the heart. Blessed is he who in the exercise of any profession seeks the good of others. I want to address now from this land of Cochabamba, peasant par excellence to you, Kinshu peasant men of the bronze lineage who from time immemorial populate these valleys and are at the roots of Bolivian nationality that you have given to the world your nutritional and medicinal findings such as potatoes, corn, and quinoa. The Lord continues to accompany your work with his help. He takes care of the birds of the sky, of the lilies that are born in the field, of the grass that sprouts from the earth. This is the work of God, who knows that we need the food that the earth produces, that varied and expressive reality that your ancestors called the Pachamama. And that reflects the work of divine providence by offering us his gifts for the good of man. Such is the deep meaning of the presence of God that you must find in your relationship with the earth, which covers for you the territory, the water, the stream, the hill, the hillside, the creek, the animals, the plants, and the trees, because earth is all the work of creation that God has given us. Therefore, when contemplating the earth, the crops that grow, the plants that mature, the animals that are born, raise your thoughts to the God of the heights, to the creator God of the universe, who has manifested to us in Christ Jesus, our brother and savior. That way you can reach him, glorify him, and thank him, because the invisible of God, since the creation of the world, his intelligence is revealed through his works. Blessed is he who rightly administers his affairs. The righteous will never falter. Blessed is he who strives in his work, despite the difficulties of the environment. Blessed is he who seeks to build civilization of love with his work. So there you have it. 
word for word, from the Pope's mouth. And it caused a whole stir, like I said, in the podcast where I, I talked about this before, is Roman Catholic Radio. I used to hear about it every other day. They still talk about this Pachamama heresy. And, and now it's down to once a week or so. So, But they're still talking about it. It still ruffles their feather. It still gets their goat. It still bothers them and inflames them and enrages them. Um, and again, they call this heresy that, you know, worshiping something other than God. And, you know, they just misunderstand everything. Even the Pope himself, St. Pope John Paul II, and then followed up by Pope Francis, um, again, they just are lacking and not getting it. So the next major upheaval that he caused by being interfaith or interreligious or uh, is the kissing of the Quran. And uh, this is another one that's on Roman Catholic radio at, at least once a week. Uh, and sometimes when they say it, it spurs up so much anger and hatred that they end up talking about it multiple days in a row or every other day until it starts to settle down and then someone will bring it back up again. And this incident actually happened at the Vatican in 1999. And it's still a hot button topic for Roman Catholics today that St. Pope John Paul II kissed the Quran. And again, people are looking at things by face value or for face value and not seeing the deep inner meaning behind the actions, you know, and that's the thing. That's a big issue. And that's a big issue with the Bible, too, is if you open the Bible up and you're just reading it word for word and not taking into, you know, as uh, Father Mike, uh, you know, shares on his show, Logic in the Bible. Again, check it out if you haven't listened to it. It will literally cause brain hemorrhaging. It's just it's amazing. It's an amazing show where he brings such wisdom and clarification to the Bible. You will understand it like you've never, ever understood it before. And you've got to take in consideration historical times and how people were and cultures and stuff. When you're actually reading the Bible, you just can't take it with today's mindset and in, in, interpret what is being said and what is done. Um, you're, if you do, you're missing so much. You're actually missing the points, critical points of the Bible itself. So again, same thing applies to this with St. Pope John Paul II kissing the Quran. Unfortunately, it's just something that just keeps coming round and round and round again that people will just not see it for what it was, for the true inner meaning and the interfaithness of it, other than wanting to see it as here's a Roman Catholic Pope being blasphemous and doing something sacrilegious and kissing, you know, the Quran, you know, blessing the Pachamama or allowing a culture to continue to worship uh, or use the Pachamama and their practice that they've used in their culture from day one. Even though they're now Roman Catholics, they still keep that in their practice, in their in their faith, which has been approved by uh, the Holy Father. Now, not one, but now two of them have. Uh, again, you know, it leaves you scratching your head, you know, those who aren't, you know, of that faith and that rigid of that faith. Because, again, like I said, not just the Roman Catholics, but with all 
faiths and all religions. There are so many different denominations within that denomination, so many different sects within those sects. It's, it can be so dizzying and, and just confusing. Pope John Paul II also did his best in his religion to um, further women in the church, you know, as much as he could possibly do, I guess, without being imprisoned or overthrown. I know that's difficult to say, but I'm sure it would have happened if he would have said, you know, women can be priests. Uh, that would cause a huge uprising. I mean, and why not? Why can't women be priests? I, you know, I'm sorry, that's a personal thing for me, but it's it's a hot button topic for me because I, for the life of me, I don't understand why in the Roman Catholic faith. I mean, they go on and on and on about the disciples, men, you know, patriarchal, blah, blah, blah. And that's been a huge downfall for the Roman Catholic Church. It's, it's, it's all patriarchal. It's, you know, it's all man-based, man-ran. You know, they forget, you know, Mary, the mother of God, the, the Theotokos that they hold so high, you know. But, of course, she represents subservience and, and um, compassion and, and meekness. And, um, you know, although she's powerful, she uh, you know, respects the male authority kind of thing. She's obedient, I guess the thing is. is and and that's, that, that is tragic, and it's a shame on so many levels. And I'm sorry if I upset anybody when I say this. I mean, I firmly believe that women should have equal rights within religions as to men. I mean, there should be no difference. I mean, to me, I mean, in fact, if I had to go to confession, I would rather go to a woman than I would go to a man. You know, I honestly would, because I mean, for me, it's easier for me to speak with women than it is to speak with men. And I guess that's my conditioning and my upbringing uh, from my experiences growing up to, you know, adulthood. But I see women as very strong and, and many times stronger than men. And I know that might be, I don't mean it to be um, upsetting to men. I'm not degrading men in any way, but I'm saying that all that women go through every day with hormones and their monthly cycle and on and on and on and on and on. It's just amazing that they are who they are and do what they do. Because if men had to go through what a tenth of what women go through, We'd be curled up in a ball in a corner, crying our eyes out, sucking our thumb because we wouldn't know what to do or how to handle it, you know. Um, so, again, I highly commend women. And I, I love that the Anglican Church embraces women and allows them to be priests. I love that the pagan churches and the pagan faiths allow women. I shouldn't say I hate using the word pagan because it's a derogatory term, but I don't know how else to refer to those who are non-Christian, I guess I should just say that, those who are of non-Christian faith, I have the utmost admiration and applaud you all for embracing the feminine and allowing women to be priest, priestesses. Um, it's, I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, if you don't believe me, if you've never seen a, a, a woman priest, uh, there is an Anglican uh, woman priest that I watch on the weekends. She does mass for her church and it's up in Canada and I'll put a link to one of her services in the description. Check her out. You'll really enjoy it. It's, it's so, it's such a breath of fresh air to get a feminine take on the liturgy. It really is. And to, to feel that it's, it's so, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want to again, put her in a box, but it's motherly, it's healing. 
it's so very pleasing then again not putting men here i'm, I'm kind of putting myself in a corner right? <laughs> i'm sorry folks i should just shut up i'll let you all watch the video and you can feel for yourself how you feel on it and i'm sure most of you already do so i don't need to say anything so again as you all could only imagine that uh, saint pope john paul's um dedication and conviction to the holy mother uh, the Theotokos was so very strong, even before the incident happened with his attempted assassination. Um, he would later go to Fatima and, you know, visit the grotto and, you know, again, recount what happened in his vision of the Holy Mother. And he was intricate in bringing back the practice of the rosary, which, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s had fallen to the wayside that a lot of people or a lot of people in the church uh, the Roman Catholic Church, um, you know, would label you as a simpleton. Um, if you were saw seen praying the rosary, you were considered to be a simpleton, that only simpletons uh, uh, recited the rosary or had, an, uh, you know, a, a dedication or daily practice of praying the rosary. And Pope John, St. Pope John Paul II did a great job of, you know, really abolishing all of that uh, prejudiced thinking um, and, and brought back praying the rosary. Praying the rosary is one of the favorite things that I love to do every day as well. I mean, I'm part of the confraternity, which is where you make a perpetual vow to say the rosary at least once a day, five days a week. And it's, you know, it's not, you know, something that if you forget one day or, or you're indisposed of or ill one day that you're going to hell if you don't do it. It's just, it's just a, a, a verbal vow between you and the divine that you know this is the practice that you are going to do for the rest of your days and it's a great practice to do i highly recommend to everybody i mean i've done uh, a show when we did um saint faustina i talked about the divine mercy chaplet i can't recommend that one enough uh, not to get off topic here but um again that's that's an amazing practice and a very simple but yet very powerful practice um, if you guys aren't familiar with that Please go back and check out the St. Faustina uh, shows. There were three. There were three parts of that show, and I know it's difficult to get through. Uh, I had a lot of listeners to part one and part three, but very few <laughs> listen to part two. So I can understand that, but you're missing so much if you don't listen to all of her story from beginning to, you know, to end. So again, before I paint myself into a corner... <laughs> I'm going to share with you all a prayer that was uh, favorited by uh, St. John Paul II that he wrote. And again, you have to keep in consideration him, his um, dedication to the Holy Mother. And he says, be with us more and more. Meet us more and more often because we need it so much. Speak to us by your motherhood, by your simplicity and by holiness speak to us by your immaculate conception speak to us continually and obtain for us the grace even if we are distant of not becoming insensitive to your presence in our midst amen
so I will pause here for now. Thank you all so very much for listening. I so hope and pray that you have found what you have been searching for in this show and that it is even more than what you have been looking for and that it continues to be that for you. I am so very open, as I've always said and will say, for suggestions and recommendations for the show. We have people listening from all over the world and each week I see on the statistics that there's more and more people from more and more different countries listening and that is so amazing and an infinite thanks and blessings to each of you. But I know that you all have amazing angels and saints in your country, in your culture, that we don't know about. It could be past, it could be present that we don't know about, but we should know about. So please, please, please contact me, share this information with me, or at least point me in a direction where I can go and find information so we can start sharing these amazing beings of your country and cultures with the rest of the world. Next is prayers. I love to pray. Those of you who've been following the show know that more than anybody. I try my level best to be in a continuous state of prayer. And prayer is so very important to our listeners too. And they love to pray. So why not let us pray for you? In order to do that, you can either email me or you can fill out a form that's on the website. And I'll give that information here in just a moment. But please, 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 please reach out to us let us know your prayer intentions it can be for you a loved one a friend uh, for anything going on in the world right now and there is so much going on but we would love to pray with you and for you so there's two ways to contact me the first would be through email and that is at faith and more podcast all one word Faith and More Podcast at gmail.com. The second is through our website, which I highly recommend the website because it's so easy to listen to the show through the website as well as get the show notes. And there's so much important information in the show notes that if you only listen on iTunes or Spotify or one of those other platforms, you're missing out on the show notes. And I don't want anyone to miss out on anything with the show. It's so very important that you get everything that's offered. And it's absolutely free. So the website is Faith and More Podcast. Again, all one word, Faith and More Podcast dot Wix site, W I X S I T E dot com slash my dash site. Again, that's Faith and More Podcast dot Wix site dot com slash my dash site. If you like the show, I hope you continue to return. And if you really like the show, I so hope that you share the show with a friend, family, anyone that you think that can uh, benefit from the show. And also, please subscribe and follow. And there's this new thing called rating, which can be done on Spotify and Apple Podcast, where you can actually rate the show. If you rate the show, it actually moves the show up into categories where people can access it more. So it's another great way to get the show out to as many people as possible. Because at this moment, we don't have sponsors. We don't have ads or anything like that that can help circulate the show. So right now, it's all based on us. And that's word of mouth and sharing with others. 
So please, 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 if you like the show, really like the show, please share it with as many people as possible. So infinite thanks and blessings to each of you once again for listening. I so hope and pray I see you again next week. Please know that each and every one of you are in my heart and in my prayers. And don't forget, love yourself and love each other. Have a blessed week.